Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 18, called The Walls Fall Down in Christ. Well, I'm the man formerly known as Michael Lance, who lived a certain way. But that's not me anymore. I'm formerly known that way. Paul was formerly known as Saul, devastator of the church. People questioned him big time, questioned his conversion. It took the son of encouragement, remember Barnabas, to, to make him feel like he fit, to, to bring him into the community of saints. The Bible does call us to remember. Remember what God's done for you before you came to Christ. Think of what your life would be like now had you not come to Christ. Think of it. It's an ugly thought for some of us. Because I was headed for disaster in so many different ways. And God called me to himself. And I was a Gentile in the flesh. But he called me. And this idea of uncircumcision was a derisive term. As a matter of fact, circumcision being the sign of the Abrahamic covenant, was a separator. For the Jews, it became not just merely a sign of the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant from Genesis 17. It became an issue of spiritual pride. Oh, you uncircumcised so-and-so. That was their term of derision. That was a way to say, you're a heathen, man. You remember when David was going to go out and, and deal with Goliath? And he said, hey, we're not... I'm paraphrasing. We're not going to let this uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of Israel or the armies of the living God. That was a derisive term. In Acts 7.51, Stephen said, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. The sign of circumcision became more about pride than it was about spirituality. The sign was the sign of the covenant, the cutting away of the flesh, the sign that you were in the covenant, but it became a matter of pride. It's like somebody who says, I go to this church and I was baptized in this church and, and therefore, uh, you know, I don't know where, what it is you are, but, you know, the, we, there's some groups that go around doing this. Boston Church of Christ, LA Church of Christ. You're not baptized in our baptistry by our minister according to our formula. It ain't good enough. There are some groups out there today that think you have to come to a certain location to be in a certain baptistry. Otherwise, you're not saved because you just aren't doing it their way. And so they looked down on the Gentile people. There was major racism between Jew and Gentile. Major racism. As a matter of fact, the Jewish people believed that the Gentiles were simply fuel for the fires of hell. That's what they thought. And Paul said to the group of people who thought that way, Romans 2, 28 and 29, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, neither is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. Oh, we fast twice a week. We pay tithes of mint 
and, and all of this stuff. And Jesus said, yeah, but you've forgotten the weightier measures of the law. You've forgotten, you've forgotten about um, kindness and justice and, and these kinds of things. This is what God wants from you. He doesn't want your spiritual pride. He doesn't want snobby Christians. That doesn't do anybody any good. All it does is bring division, not only to the church, but the world looks at it and says, are you kidding me? If that's what Christianity is about, you can have it. I don't want that. Remember verse 12, that you were at that time in the dead state that we were, five things in verse 12. You were separate from Christ, one. Excluded from the commonwealth or citizenship of Israel, two. You were strangers to the covenants of promise, that's three. You had no hope, four. And you were without, without God in the world. Now you want to talk about a bleak resume? That is the resume of every unbelieving person you meet. Every one of them. They are separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise. They have no hope and they don't have God. Have you ever asked yourself, what in the world does a person like that do with their lives? They turn up the volume. They try not to think about spiritual things. Social Darwinist Herbert Spencer wrote, quote, my own feeling respecting the ultimate mystery is such that I cannot even try to think of it without some feeling of terror so that I habitually shun the thought, close quote. There's a social Darwinist. He believes in the theory of evolution and all that it contains. And whenever he thinks of ultimate things, he immediately tries to not think about ultimate things. Turn up the radio, baby. I'm not going there. And as an unbeliever, that's pretty much all you got. You walk into a funeral and you see your friend dead there. What do you got? Are you considering the ultimate? We had a team going door to door. Met a young man, I think he was about 18, 19 years old, and seemed to have his future very planned out. He knew what college he was going to, what profession he was going to pursue. You know, he had his ducks in a row. And one of the evangelists, I, I believe, by the spirit prompting of the Spirit of God, said, What are you going to do after you die? And the young man was struck by that because he had a sense of the ultimate. Ecclesiastes 3 says God's put eternity in our hearts. We know. He said, I've never thought about that before. See, it's not just about the here and now that we're talking about, folks. We're talking about life beyond the grave. We're talking about those who do not know Jesus Christ are bleak and hopeless, but I want you to shift this around. I want you to do the opposite in, in, list, in the list in verse 12 and see what we are now. We were separated from Christ, but now we are what? In Christ. You can look at uh, 2, 6, and 7, 10, and 13. We were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, but now we are, look at verse 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, 2, 19, but you are what? Fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You were excluded, but now you're included. We are grafted into Israel, Romans eleven seventeen through 24. We were strangers to the covenants of promise. That's the third thing in verse 12. Uh, and you can think of the Abrahamic covenant, but now look at 3, 6, 3, 6. To be specific, the Gentiles are now fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, 
and fellow partakers of what? Of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. See, everything's been flipped around now that you're in Jesus Christ. You were separated, now you're brought near. You were excluded, now you are a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. You are part of the Abrahamic blessing. And this was the purpose that God had for Israel. His purpose was that they would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles, but they failed. Instead of becoming a light to the Gentiles, the Gentiles influenced them with the darkness of their culture. And over and over again, as you read the Old Testament, you see that Israel got into trouble because rather than being a light to the nations, they embraced the culture, they embraced their idolatry, and God judged them every single time. And if the church cannot be that city of light, that city on the hill, then we lose our effectiveness as well. We don't become a light to the culture. The culture starts to bring down the church. This is the situation, but Paul highlights the positive, but he says, but now, 13, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near. And how were you brought near? How was I brought near? By the blood of Christ Jesus. What brings us near is Jesus' death on the cross. It's not circumcision. It's not baptism. It's not what you eat or don't eat. The way you are brought near is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4 and take a look at Abraham, who's held up as this uh, model of faith. And there's something that we learn about Abraham. We learned that Abraham was not saved by his works, but by faith. His faith was reckoned to him as, right, as righteousness. Romans 4, and here's verse 8. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Romans 4, verse 9. Is this blessing then upon the circumcised or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say... Faith was reckoned to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it reckoned? Verse 10, Romans 4. While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. Now, do you know at what age Abraham was circumcised? 99 years old. You imagine having that bomb drop on you at 99? 99 years old. Abram left uh, Ur, or Haran, when he was 75. He departed from Haran when he was 75. Uh, He was 86 when Ishmael was born to him. He was 99 when he was circumcised. And he was 100 when Isaac was born. Just in case you wondered if anything good can happen later in life, God did a lot with Abraham when he was older. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm this age, and God can't do anything with me now. Oh, that's wrong. God can do a lot. Now, I know you won't volunteer for the circumcision thing at 99, but you know what I'm saying. So Romans 4 makes it clear that the blessing of imputed righteousness came while he was uncircumcised. That is, it wasn't something he did by law, but by grace. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the what? Faith which he had while uncircumcised that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised that righteousness 
might be reckoned to them. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. That he might be the father of all who believe, without being circumcised, that righteousness might be reckoned to them. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. He believed God long before he ever did the outward sign. And this is parallel to baptism. We say often in the Christian church that baptism doesn't save us. And some of you read your Bibles and you say, but there's some some pretty compelling passages. But you see, the sign of circumcision is the old covenant sign, if you will, synonymous with now the new covenant sign of baptism. Baptism is an outward seal of an inward reality. If you get baptized in a pool a thousand times, but you don't have the inward circumcision of the heart, it is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. But if you have the circumcision of the heart, or you've been baptized in the Spirit in Jesus Christ, then your water baptism means everything. Because it simply now affirms a spiritual reality which God is working in your life. Now in Jesus Christ, we've been brought near. Please go back to Ephesians, look at 2.14. So Jesus has brought us into this new position, even though most of us are Gentiles here uh, in terms of our own lineage. And then he says these most important words. In Ephesians 2.14, he says, for he himself, Jesus is in the emphatic position, is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Now the word peace in Greek is irene, and in Hebrew it is, remember, shalom. Jesus is my well-being. Jesus is the one that puts me in the position to be well before God. Shalom means to deal with the root issues and to destroy the author of chaos. A retired couple was alarmed by the threat of nuclear war, so they undertook a serious study of all the inhabited places on the globe. Their goal was to determine where in the world would be the place to be least likely affected by nuclear war, a place of ultimate security. They studied and traveled, traveled and studied, and finally they found the place. And on Christmas, they sent their pastor a card from their new home in the Falkland Islands. However, their paradise was soon turned into a war zone 
by Great Britain and Argentina. They were invaded in 1982, and war ensued for months. Their paradise all of a sudden lost its peace. Because peace is not a place. Now, there's some pretty cool places on the earth, let's face it. Some of them are hard to get to. Some of them are easier to get to. And your peaceful place might be the beach where the waves slap onto the shore, but then you get sand in your shoes. You see, places always kind of run out of their charm at one point or another, right? You can go to a place and sense peace, but peace is not a place, it is a person. And once you are in Christ, you can experience peace no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life. It's not conditional. Paul writes Ephesians from where? prison and says, Jesus is my peace. Robert Louis Stevenson, in his picturesque Notes of Edinburgh, tells the story of two unmarried sisters who shared a single room. As people are apt to do who live in close quarters, the sisters had a falling out, which Stevenson says was on some point of controversial divinity. In other words, they disagreed over some aspect of theology. Sound familiar? The controversy was so bitter that they never spoke again, ever. There were no words, either kind or spiteful, just silence. Nevertheless, possibly because of a lack of means or because of the innate Scottish fear of scandal, they continued to keep house together in their single room. A chalk line was drawn across the floor to separate their two domains. For years, they coexisted in hateful silence. Each woman's meals, baths, and family visitors were exposed to the other's unfriendly silence. At night, each went to bed, listening to the heavy breathing of her enemy. Thus, the two sisters, ostensibly daughters of the church, continued the rest of their miserable lives. Sound familiar? Oftentimes, this is what happens. People who are supposed to be the kingdom of the called out ones are now living in a situation where, frankly, they hate each other. The chalk line's been drawn. It doesn't have to be a literal chalk line. And what it does is it hurts the testimony of the church. But he himself is our peace. During World War II, a group of American soldiers was exchanging fire with some Germans who occupied a farmhouse. The family who lived in the house had run to the barn for protection. Suddenly, their three-year-old daughter became frightened and ran into the field between the two groups of soldiers. When they saw the little girl, both sides immediately ceased firing until she was safe. A little child brought peace, brief as it was, as almost nothing else could have done. And on a Night, possibly in December, although that's debated. A little child was born, and he is the Prince of Peace. And if the world would just come under his leadership, we would have peace. The church would have peace. The world would have peace. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The world's peace is a pseudo peace. Do I give to you? Let not your heart be troubled, neither, neither let it be fearful. 
Why are there so many barriers between people? There's one word for that. It's called pride. You've been listening to The Walls Fall Down in Christ, part two on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Michael would like you to mark your calendar for August 22nd for our next 633 event. Now, more details to come, and we're super excited to let you know who our next guest speaker is going to be. But for now, just remember August 22nd. Our 633 apologetic events are free for you to attend, both in person and through our live stream. And we open the floor so you can ask questions too. So if you have not seen one of our 633 events, you can always watch previous ones on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael. Now one of the middle verses of our text, Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, is verse 14. What a beautiful verse it is. It says, he himself, Jesus, is our peace. Now the, the Greek word for peace is irene, but the Hebrew equivalent is shalom. He, the Messiah, the Savior, is our shalom. What does that mean? It means that if you're looking for true peace, you won't find it in a place. You won't find it in a uh, necessarily in a circumstantial situation, etc. Peace is in a person. His name is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. He gives peace. He is our peace. He has brought peace through the blood of his cross. He has reconciled us back to God and to one another in the church. He Ephesians 2.14 is our peace. And that's what I want to just convey to you right now. And if you're not feeling that sense of peace, and look, it's not all about feelings, but of course, we want to sense that peace. And that peace comes from the power of God, the power of the Spirit. Now, my brother, my sister, if you're driving, keep your eyes open, but I want to pray right now with all of our wonderful uh, listening family. And let's just pray that the Lord's peace would permeate broken hearts and maybe hurting souls. Father, thank you for the wonderful community around Walk in Truth. What a beautiful growing community that it is. Wonderful partners, prayer partners, and we are partners in peace. We want to be peacemakers. We want to be those who extend the gospel of peace and wear the shoes of peace. But but we sense that there's certainly somebody listening right now, probably multiple people who lack peace. And there can be a number of reasons why, Father, and we're not going to try to dig those out. All we're going to say is, would you grant peace? Would you restore peace? Would you be that peace that passes understanding for a hurting brother or sister right now? And I pray that my brother, my sister, if you're in Christ, you can receive that peace. And if you don't know Jesus, you won't know peace until you know him. Ask him into your life. Lord Jesus, I believe that you live the perfect life that I could never live. I believe you died on the cross and shed your blood and gave your life. I believe you rose from the dead. Would you come into my life? I repent of my sin. I trust you and you alone for my salvation. Be my Savior, my Lord, my God, my King, my peace. You know, the Lord is so faithful. You don't have to have a perfect prayer, but when you believe, 
When you trust in him, you're born again to a living hope. And sadness will flee away and joy will come. It won't always be perfect, but he will be your peace. Well, hey, we're coming up on the weekend and it's a wonderful time to think about being in fellowship. I'm always excited to think about a Sunday morning at the church that I get to pastor, which is Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Hey, we have two service times, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. The 10.30 a.m. also has a youth group going on. And um, it's wonderful worship, a wonderful community of saints. And the Bible teaching that you're used to hearing on this station, well, it comes from the pulpit of Living Truth in Corona, 1009 Arsenal Way. And uh, you can find out information and directions when you go to walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab and you can find out about the church in Corona or call 844-48-TRUTH for more details. And once again, walkintruth.com. God bless you. So glad you're listening. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing. Have a great weekend. Go to church and we'll talk to you on Monday. God bless. And one more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God. Hey, if you're a longtime listener, please become a partner of at least $5 a month. You can visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 2, 11 through 18, called The Walls Fall Down in Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, have a great weekend, and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.